ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन शलाकया चक्षुर्न मिलित श्री गुरवे नम Many people are interested in how to attain peace. Generally in India if they if someone speaks to a sadhu they ask have you attained peace well here it's explained that there's no question of peace as long as one is attached to anything in this material world anything of this material world that is described in bhagavad gita that the platform of peace is that of one who is natural to the nakamchati has no lamentation no anger as long as we are attached to material objects then we desire to get more and we lament for that we haven't got or that which we have lost and this operates both on the gross level and on the subtle level gross material attachment means desires for rupa sparsha ganda all these uh, the, the objects of the senses we like to see something beautiful we like to taste different kinds of food stuffs we like to hear sounds that are pleasing to our senses now someone may withdraw from all these activities of gross sense gratification but still remain totally materially attached a yogi for instance may withdraw from all forms of gross sense gratification and simply perform austerities sitting in a cave we don't see many such people nowadays but we're just giving the example to show the point that the yogi may withdraw himself from gross sense gratification but even though he performs austerities uh he still remains attached within his mind and that attachment may it may be that he's detached from gross sense gratification but his material attachment takes a different form if for instance he may become attached to the reputation he gets for being a yogi or he may become attached to the mystic power he gains as a yogi or he may be attached to the feeling of good health he gets from living a very healthy life practicing yoga i he may get attached to the beauty of his surroundings and the peaceful way of life maya can come in many forms he might get attached to some little animal running around inside the cave in the bhagavad is the story of bharat maharaj who was a very powerful king he was the king of the whole world from his name comes have his country's name india is called bharat So actually previously whole the whole world was known as Bharat and it very gradually Bharat yeah. so it gradually became smaller so that it stretched from what is now central asia to southeast asia only and then the british consolidated it as what was at that time british india and then uh, between almam batan hamad ali jinnah and pandit nehru they cut it up into smaller pieces and now they call it india but previously the whole planet was under bharat maharaj but at some point he decided actually there are more important things to do than ruling the earth he thought that more important than being the king of the earth is to go and perform austerities with no material possessions 
for the sake of understanding the absolute truth of his Krishna. Because uh, Rishabh Dev had given this instruction, Rishabh Dev, who was the king previous to him, his father, said that don't live like a hog or a dog. The hogs are eating stool, they're enjoying it. So the endeavor for sense gratification is just like that. So one should not accept many difficulties in this human form of life to try to enjoy that which is enjoyed by the hogs by eating stool. So instead of the, he said, he used the word kashta, so instead of the kashta or difficulty that one takes to enjoy sense gratification, one should perform divine austerities, take this difficulty by which one can be situated in uh, purified existence, sattva And then instead of enjoying temporary and uh, incomplete bodily sense gratification, one can enjoy Brahma Sokyam unlimited spiritual bliss. So Bharat Maharaj took this very seriously and he gave up the kingdom, which was the whole earth planet, and went to the forest to perform austerity. And he was worshipping Krishna. And he was feeling great ecstasy in worshipping Krishna. But circumstantially he became attracted to a deer. Just see how Maya works. And when Bharat Maharaj went down to the river to drink some water, then a deer was also there, drinking water, and come to drink. Nearby, that uh, a lion roared very loudly. Singhagajane, roaring lion. So, the deer, being very afraid, jumped over the stream. But as she was uh, fully pregnant, her pregnancy was almost over, then the, the child that she was carrying within her womb came out due to her exertion of jumping. And the, the mother deer, due to the fright plus the giving birth to the child, the two things combined, she died. So Bharat Maharaj saw this helpless baby deer. So he took compassion. It's a natural thing. Helpless, young. So he started to feed it. And naturally he became attached. So gradually the deer was growing up. And Bharat Maharaj would be trying to do his meditation and the deer would come and prod him like this. And he, what would he do? He, he didn't punish the deer. He, he was just like, just like his own child. In this way his meditation became spoiled. And as the deer got bigger, sometimes it would go off into the forest by itself to look for food. And Bharat Maharaj would say, oh, now I can do my meditation very peacefully. But when he was doing his meditation, he was meditating on the deer only. He was thinking... Where is the deer? I hope it's not getting in danger in the forest. Will it run away and not come back again? In this way, he became totally absorbed in thinking of the deer. And uh, the time came for Bharat Maharaj to leave his body. And he forgot all his meditation. He forgot about worshipping Krishna. At the time of death, he was thinking of the deer. Whenever one thinks of at the time of death, certainly he gets that kind of body. So he became a deer in his mix. Of course, Krishna protected him and helped him. Even though he had the body of a deer, he was able to remember his previous life. And so he 
went to an ashram and listened to the sadhus giving lectures on Bhagavad Gita as it is. And in the, in the life after that, then he was born as the son of a Brahmana. And again he could remember his previous two births. So he thought, in this life I'm not going to make sure I'm going to have no material attachments. I'm only going to be attached to Krishna. So he just kept his Krishna consciousness internally. And externally he acted like a mentally retarded person. His father would try to teach him the Gayatri Mantra. He had no interest. His father, out of affection, taught, tried to teach him how to behave as a civilized human being. Such things as taking bath after passing stool. But this boy, who was also known as Bharat in this life, he would take bath and then pass stool afterwards. So he was a hopeless guy. And then no one bothered him. They just sent him to the field. Okay, go and stay in the field. That, that also Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsatagor today was celebrating his disappearance. He was at the college. He was at the college in Kolkata as a young man. But he left before completing his graduation. Because he said that if I'd been a successful student, I would have been put under extreme pressure to enter into family life and have a career and all these things. But if I don't get a degree, I'll be thought a worthless person and then no one will be interested to marry me. So I thought it better to come out. So anyway, I was giving the example of Bharat Maharaj, how he gave up everything in a, with a sincere effort to be fully detached from this material world and attached to it. But Maya came to him in the form of a baby deer. He gave up all the sense gratification of the world and became attached to an insignificant deer. Just see how Maya worked. Maya is very, very powerful. So powerful. What can we do against this Maya Shakti? Our only hope is to take shelter from Krishna. If we are to cross over Maya, the only way is to fully take shelter from Krishna. As Krishna states in a well-known verse of Bhagavad Gita, which those who know it may recite, which verse were you saying? You started to say another verse? Saratthaman Prince. It's not exactly the same. It's this more specific. Krishna says that this divine energy of mine is very difficult to overcome. But one who surrenders unto me, Krishna says, can cross beyond. Gunamai means made up of gunas. So guna means we have satagun, rajagun, tamagun. Guna also means rope. Do you say that in Tamil? Ah, you don't say guna. No. Guna is character, quality. Quality, that's the normal use. But it also means rope. In Bengali, it's in some parts of Bengal. In Shalat district, they say guna for rope. So, it's a Sanskrit word and one of the meanings is rope. Three modes of material nature tie us up. Have you seen they're making rope in the villages from coconut? How do they make it? You know? They get thinner strands and they, they intertwine them. So the same thing if you have three gunas, three ropes, satagun, tamagun, raju, and they're intertwined, becomes very strong. So it's very difficult to get free from that. We can't do by our own effort, but we can do if we fully surrender. Now I was giving the example of Bharat Maharaj. So he was worshipping Krishna, but he fell down. 
So we may say, well, what hope is there for me? Such a great devotee, he fell down, then what hope is there for me? But even though he temporarily fell down, Krishna helped him and eventually he came to Krishna. Bhagavad Gita Krishna says. What is the meaning of this? Never, never perishes. Yes. O son of Kunti, declare it boldly, Prabhupada translates it. That my devotee never perishes. So we may, a devotee on the path of purification may go through many difficulties. Generally, a devotee on the path of back to Godhead, he must go through many difficulties. But this is Krishna's method to purify him. Because when one is in many, when a devotee is in difficulty, then he surrenders more and more to Krishna if he's actually a devotee. So in this material world, people are generally trying to avoid difficulty. They're trying to get some comfort. Or they may accept difficulty, but for the sake of increasing their material situation. For instance, they may do some job which is very difficult, but they get some money when they have the idea that with this, I'll pull on my life. Or one may perform tapasya because he wants to get mukti. It's actually uh, in one form a desire for sense gratification. It's like someone who thinks I'll work very hard, I'll earn a lot of money, and then I'll retire and lead a comfortable life with no difficulties. Actually there's no such thing as a life without difficulties, but people think like that because they're in Maya. So similarly one who performs tapasya with the aim of getting mukti, it's like that. He's thinking material life is very difficult, so let me take a little more difficulty and then I'll get mukti and then everything will be very nice. So actually the desire for mukti, devoid of service to Krishna, is also another form of sense gratification. That's why someone who doesn't take up devotional service to Krishna, they can never actually become properly purified. And that's why the Bhagavatam describes that even those who get that mukti without bhakti, then again they have to fall down to this material world. Lord Brahma says to Krishna that those who perform difficult austerities to get liberated but do not worship you, Krishna, they are not fully purified. Brahma, 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 because their intelligence is not properly purified. So only a devotee can become fully purified because purification means to surrender to Krishna. One who doesn't surrender to Krishna, then whatever else he may do, he may perform austerities and so many things. He's still on the impure platform. So a devotee may accept various difficulties when he to Krishna. And even if he doesn't try to take up difficulties, well, Krishna will arrange some in many cases. <laughs> And then someone may think, well, why should I worship Krishna? But then a devotee should consider that these difficulties are being sent by Krishna to help purify me and bring me to his lotus feet. But one who is not actually very faithful to Krishna, when difficulties come, they'll leave the service of Krishna. So one has to learn the art of actually dedicating everything, mind, body and words, in the service of Krishna. And fully surrender to Krishna. There is no other way to achieve perfection because that is the very definition of perfection. So Krishna says, Sarvadhaman karitya ma mekam sharanam raja. 
Hang Tong Sarvapa Pebio, Moksha Shamanashuja. Surrender to me, I will deliver you from all difficulties. So, if we are going to go to Krishna, at some point we have to do that. And unless and until we do that, we have to suffer in this material world. So we can do it in this life, or in the next life, or in a million lives, or up to ten billion lives, or not at all. But an intelligent person will do it right away. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Is there any question? All right. No questions then? There's nothing else to say except Hare Krishna. Well, there is a question. He will desires what liberation. If in the beginning a devotee, someone comes with the idea of liberation, so he comes to Krishna for liberation, is that a material desire? It's a material desire which is almost spiritual. He's considered a pious person. So, one of the four kinds of pious people who come to, who take up worship of Krishna, the first one mentioned is one who is distressed. So, one may approach Krishna with the desire to get relief from distress. Either that uh, Krishna, I have some debt or some disease, please remove it. Or uh, more advanced than that is to ask Krishna, please remove me from this whole material world. But if one gets good association, then he'll start to desire that Krishna, please deliver me from this material world and place me at your lotus feet. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu prayed that my dear son Ananda Maharaj, Krishna, I'm your eternal servitor, but somehow or other I have fallen into this terrible ocean of birth and death. Please pick me up from this ocean of death and place me in the dust of your lotus feet. So that is counted as bhakti, but according to the standpoint of the Gorya Vaishnavas who promote uh, absolutely unalloyed devotion, that is called vitta bhakti or crippled bhakti. According to the Gorya Vaishnavas, even to desire liberation is an obstacle to real love for Krishna. Rather, the standard of a devotee is that he's prepared to go to hell if Krishna so wants him. Narayana Parasarve Nakutaschana Pipiti Swadapa Varga Narakeshu Apitulyarta Dashana said that those who are actually attached to Narayana, Krishna, they're not uh, afraid in any situation. They see uh, heaven, hell, and liberation all as the same. In this regard, there's the well-known story of Narad Muni approaching Krishna and wanting to know who are the greatest, who are your greatest devotees. So Krishna said, "I'll I'll show you. You go and see my different devotees and tell them that I have a headache, and the only cure is the dust from this devotee's lotus feet should be put on his head." 
So ask them to give some dust from their feet and then you'll go and put it on Krishna's head and then they'll be cured. So Narad Muni went to different devotees, Brahma, Shiva, and said, uh, can I have some of the dust to your lotus feet? I want to put it on Krishna's head to cure his head. So they all refused. How can we put the, our feet dust on Krishna's head? That's ridiculous. And we'll go to hell forever for that. So when Krishna, when Narad Muni came to the gopis, they all asked him, that, Oh, where have you come from? Have you seen Krishna? Where is our Krishna? Yes, I'm coming from Krishna. So how is he? What is he doing? Well, actually, he has a very severe headache. Oh, really? Is there anything we can do to help? Can we buy some medicine or what can we do? So he said, well, actually, the only cure is the dust of his lotus, of his devotee's lotus feet should be put on his head. So if you kindly give some, I'll take it to him and put it on his head. He said, well, we're not actually devotees, but if it will cure Krishna's headache, then take it immediately. Narayana said, you see, don't you realize that that's very serious offense? You'll go to hell. He said, oh, yeah, okay, take it, take it. It doesn't matter, we'll go to hell. Better we be in hell than Krishna has a hell. Then Narad Muni could understand who are the best devotees. They didn't care for their own personal situation. Sometimes, you see, when we hear about Krishna, how he... He actually, from the... It seems to our vision that he very much mistreats the gopis, especially the gopis. He calls them out in the middle of the night to the forest. They go, leaving everything. And then when he, they say, okay, now you can go home. And then after... He, They've completely given their hearts and their souls and their minds and everything to Krishna. They gave everything to Krishna. They gave themselves to Krishna. And then Krishna just left them. So, to understand this is, it doesn't seem understandable. It seems God is very cruel. But actually, there are different reasons for this. One reason is Krishna is showing the topmost intense love of the inhabitants of Vrindavan and especially the Gopis for him. So that position of hoping for Krishna, that is far higher than that of having liberation even in the presence of Krishna. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching. That mostly devotees of Krishna who are see, the goals of the different Vaishnava Sampradayas is to have liberation in association with Krishna. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu teaches that we don't even ask Krishna for liberation. And if necessary, we'll even go to hell for Krishna. What to, speak of, what to speak of liberation. So on that platform of love, the desire for liberation is also seen as a contamination. So although from one perspective that can be considered bhakti, that is the goal of just like the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya, but from the point of view of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sampradaya, there's still much more, much more to be understood. Hmm. How can we then understand fifth shloka of Shikshashtaka? Ainanda, that I'm in the material, I want, please take me out. Yeah, yeah, well, that's also the, both things are, yeah, the question, you want to reflect? Uh, the, the fifth shloka of Shikshashtaka that I was just chanting. That, uh, please place me as one of the dust. Well, well, he's praying that maybe, actually, if you see the Sanskrit, it means he's actually that maybe I be considered equivalent to a piece of dust 
at the at your lotus feet. It's actually a prayer for it's asking for the position of servitude to Krishna. And although Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is expressing that this material world it is visham, it is very horrible and nasty. But what is uh, actually most painful to him, he's explaining after that, that this material world is simply full of birth and death, it is most miserable. But far, far worse than that is separation from Krishna. Yeah. He's saying that, that uh, in separation from Govinda, a moment means blinking of an eye. Seems like 12 years or more. Tears coming from the eyes in torrents. Actually, that was there with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That when he was dancing at Rathiyatra, the tears were coming from his eyes so much that people around him became drenched. And uh, tears of torrent. And the whole world seems like uh, vacant in your absence. Krishna. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is expressing what is his real distress, which is the separation from Krishna. Such a high understanding we have. So having got this, we should really endeavor to come to that level and not get stuck with this petty sense gratification of this material. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. How can he be separate from Krishna? He's taken that position. Radha Bhavati Yutisuvali don't know me Krishna Sarupa. He's Krishna but he's accepted the sentiment of Radharani. Radha in the mood of Krishna. This is not understandable by any rational method. This is the Ananda Chinmaya Rasa. This is on the platform of spiritual rasa. Psychology of God. Hare Krishna. Bhagavad Gita as it is. We started okay. up with Bhagavad Gita and we finished up with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's inner feelings. Okay. Well, it's all the same. Awesome. Okay.